please pronounce your names correctly for me? Sure. Cecily Chambers. And mine's Collier Grimm. It's excellent that you said that, Cecily, because I would not have pronounced it Cecily. What would you have said, do you think? Cecilia, something along that line. It wouldn't have been Cecily, so it's, it's fine. From a, it's from an Oscar Wilde play, The Importance of Being Earnest. So, totally legitimate. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've read that play or seen it, but sometimes that helps jog people's memory. Probably in my youth, but, you know, we all forgot more than we remember at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. So just to be clear for the listeners, Cecily, you are the founder senior agent and Collier, you are a senior agent on different coasts uh, for form artists. So give us a little background on like what form or is it form artists or artists? For, it's form artists. Yeah. 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 Form, form artists. artists. And we're we're actually based in Venice Beach, California, but I'm just currently on the East Coast for a few months. So. Just to clarify. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so how did you come to like creating this? I guess so like so basically I'm getting to what's your background? Like were yeah. you creative as a child or are you creative? Actually, I mean that's a little sort of caveat because like a lot of the people that get into being like agents and things like this, they're not creative themselves, but they like mm -hmm. manage people well and things like this. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. what was the thing that sort of brought you into being that in this part of the industry? Yeah, I grew up in LA and basically my entire family is in entertainment. And I liked the idea of being somewhat in it, but being kind of more on the art side of it <laughs> and not in the trenches of kind of the up and down of entertainment. So my godmother is a photographer and a director and she would come over to my house when I was a kid and bring me her contact sheets, you know, when she would shoot a famous musician or whatnot. And I would take the loop and the red pencil and I would circle my favorite images. You know, I was editing photography like when I was eight years old. And I would collage my walls with magazine clippings, fashion ads and whatnot. So I've always been very visual and always been very interested in photography and then after I graduated from college, I came back to LA and my godmother, Dana Tynan, she said, why don't you work for my agent for a little bit and see how, you know, how you take to it. And so I did that and, you know, joined that agency. I trained under the lead agent of that company, the owner, and about six years later, decided that I wanted to do my own thing and kind of, you know, have a fresh start on things. So, and I figured at that moment in time <laughs> that the stakes were low. I didn't have kids <laughs> and I, you know, felt like why not just go for it and see what happens, give it, you know, six, nine months, however long. And then, you know, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I can, I'm very employable. I can go work somewhere else. So that is what I did. And uh, just for yeah. clarification, when was that? I started form a little over six years ago, like six years in a few months. So that would have been 2016. Thank you. I was trying to do fast math, wasn't doing it very well. All right. <laughs> And Collier, what, what brought you, so like, again, sort of like, how did you come to the job of being a senior agent? 
Okay, so I'll go Is like way back for it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how does this happen? <laughs> well, okay, so I'll give you like a whole rundown here. My dad was born to like the wrong family in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he was definitely meant to be in Hollywood. <laughs> Because he never made it that far. He made it to Colorado from the Midwest. We grew up watching black and white movies and just knowing everything about Hollywood and the studio system and all of the great old stars. So I was groomed to come to Hollywood. And eventually I made my way here and I worked at a ton of different kinds of companies within the entertainment industry and eventually befriended an owner of an agency who repped photographers. And he was like, come work for me. You'll be wonderful. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And he's like, you'll, you'll be fine. You can make it up as you go. And so I, I joined with him and figured it out and loved it. And then when I was ready to move on from there, I teamed up with Cecily, who I'd known for a long time. And it's been awesome. But I do always say my best experience probably was being a bartender. That's been <laughs> the best experience for, for being an agent because you have to like read a room. You have to know all these different kinds of personalities and how to talk to them and how to meet their needs or for their drink, air quotes. And like that really probably was the best training I had. Well, I mean, that brings up the question of like, what exactly is the job of an agent? You know, so like in my mind, I have like romantic ideas of what an agent does kind of thing. Like, you know, they, 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 they keep the artists and the talent happy and all this kind of crap. But I'm sure that's not the truth of it all. So what is the role of the agent? Are you the ones that find the clients, do all the contract negotiations, all this kind of stuff? Or you do you have the romantic lifestyle of like jet setting around and being on set and all this? I mean, it's kind of a mix. I don't think we're jet setting around to be on that many sets, but you know, if we happen to be in a city and doing meetings in that city, like in New York, for instance, and there's a shoot there, then we'll definitely, you know, stop by and take a visit. But I think the role of an agent is many things. It's very multi-pronged. I do think it is, a lot of it is keeping the artists and the clients happy. So we're kind of the people at the forefront making sure that the artists feel like they're seen and they're heard and that they have some strategy around their career and where they're going from here. And then I think with the clients, you know, it's making sure that the communication is smooth between the artist and the client and that the clients feel seen and heard and that we're going to ultimately deliver them what they need, which is the, you know, final experience and product. I mean, I would say we're definitely glorified therapists <laughs> a lot of the time. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but that is definitely part of the job. There is a lot of entertaining involved as well, which, mm -hmm. you know, it was interesting during the pandemic that part of it went away completely. And so then reemerging back into the world and going back out on lunches and dinners and client outings and things with mm -hmm. the artists. And like Cecily was saying, going on photo shoots, it's, you know, been a little bit of a slow start getting back into that. And it was definitely a bit overwhelming at first to do that much socializing after being locked down. But I feel like we're back in the full swing of it. And hopefully this year we'll be on a lot more sets. We weren't allowed for a while because we were like an extra body that didn't need to be there. And they were trying to keep sets really tight. 
and an extra COVID test that had to be done. Yeah. So therefore exactly. cost extras and all this. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wait, you brought up the idea of career strategies. I like that terminology because I think that's something that a lot of people in the creative fields don't do. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I, I have a career dream, <laughs> a career hope, but I'm not sure I have a career strategy. So like, what is that? And how do you sort of assist in that, uh, that role? Well, I think a lot of the time we ask the artists, you know, are there certain clients that they see out there that they want to be working with? And then we figure out how to get in touch with those clients. And then we also expand on that and say, okay, well, if you're wanting to, you know, shoot with Lincoln, then also maybe this other brand would be a really great fit. And we know someone there. And so it's really just having a lot of communication with the artists and figuring out how can we craft this really like beautiful sort of creative career that they're wanting to have? And how can we build on what is existing to kind of get to the next level or just connect the dots and meet more people and get them, you know, things that are sort of in the same vein and it's really just like a very collaborative discussion. And that's where the magic comes in too, is if the artist and the agent are aligned and feel comfortable, you know, having these discussions and kind of breaking down any sort of barriers that the artist might have instated into their lives that are not necessary. An example, even like, you know, we'll say who's someone that you would kill to shoot, you know, like who's your top five talent that you'd love to photograph. And then it, let's say it's Nicole Kidman. And then that gives us like a world of places to go with that because it's like, well, what brands does Nicole Kidman work with? What films and TV shows is she in pre-production for? What kind of shoes is she slanging this month or perfume or, you know, what kind of foundations is she associated with that maybe need some kind of photography or, you know, there's so many different places you can go with that then. So that's always a good way. We believe a lot in like manifesting and putting things Mm -hmm. out into the universe and seeing how they come back. So it's nice to have kind of like a starting point for that. And then how do we build on that world? And then, you know, writing it down and speaking it out loud. I mean, it's worked so many times for us. That's something that I feel like Collier and I are super aligned on that has sort of brought us together is the way that we do business has a little bit of like a spiritual element to it too, because it's like whatever energy you're putting out there, you're going to be getting back. So you want to really put things out there in the world that are going to bring you like the best opportunities. And sometimes if an artist is not working at that moment, it's us having a conversation with them saying, let's clear the energy. Let's figure out what is being put out. That's not exactly what is the most helpful. And then, you know, sometimes it's like helping the artist find their creative flow, doing a personal project that might get them back into that, you know, something along those lines. That's an interesting aspect of the whole thing, which is like, how do you know whether like a particular photographer will work with your agency? Like what's the kind of thing that says, yes, this person will be a good fit for us to work with? Because I do like portfolio reviews and then I also, you know, obviously I'm a professor. So like I get the question all the time of like, how do I get an agency? 
And I'm always like, you know, I don't actually know like the process of getting it, but I do know basically you the the things that I've learned through previous conversations during this podcast, working collaboratively and not being an asshole. Those are two very yeah. important things. Yeah, super important. <laughs> I would say also for us, something that's important is, you know, a, a lot of photographers, especially maybe people who are starting out in the business, think that you're going to get an agent and you're magically going to get all of this work all of a sudden. And of course, we wish that could happen, but we can help bring jobs in and we're always chasing new business. But it's really important to already have something established and, you know, have some clients that you work with and be working on personal projects and having things already coming into you because, like Cecily was saying, you already have that creative energy flowing, which only benefits you to get more clients. And a part of our job is also really to do like the negotiating and the contracts and all of the organization. You know, we can definitely bring projects in as well, but it, it is important for the artists to be bringing in projects as well. And like with us doing the organization and the contracts and the estimates and, you know, working out all the terms for the artists, that should ultimately free the artist up to be able to do the sexy things. So be able to focus on the creative, get their personal projects going, you know, be in that kind of creative flow state because we're taking the other things off of their plate. It does have to come from the artist ultimately. And then we can help enhance that by, you know, bringing some ideas mm -hmm. to the table or, you know, having conversations with them that sort of get them thinking differently or thinking in the right space, you know, at the end of the day, like the artist is the talent, like they have to be bringing it a hundred percent to their career as well. Absolutely. One of the things that will kill creativity and sense of self-worth is having to talk about money. No artist wants to have to do that. I do think that's one of the best parts of our job that takes that off of their plate because we can negotiate numbers. We can talk money with the client. We can set, you know, I mean, we will have an initial conversation with artists about like where they want to come in at in general for each project. But, you know, then getting into the nitty gritty when clients are like trying to bring that number down and down, like they don't need to be part of that conversation because it's just, it can eat away at the creativity mm -hmm. and your self-worth, you know? Yeah. And I was also just going to add something to your initial question and Collier touched on it as well. But I think, you know, a lot of emerging artists, when we do the portfolio shows and whatnot, we hear over and over again, like, how can I get an agent? And a lot of the time in these situations, what I find is that the artists that sometimes it's not about getting the agent, like at that moment in your career, the agent thing you shouldn't be focused on. You should be putting all of your time and effort into getting new business and creating more imagery that you want in the world that is coming from your vision. So I think there can be like a misplaced use of energy to be focused so much on the agent thing. And it's like, get all this going for you so that you get to a point where you're busy enough that you need someone else to step in for you. And then mm -hmm. that agent can also step in, help implement those projects for you. But then 
build on that and say, okay, there's a, mm-hmm. enough of a foundation here to really go out there and build and get to the next echelon. I'm just saying that because I feel like that could be helpful for some emerging artists that are so focused on the agent thing right now and their time would be better spent focusing on their work, putting it out there in the world and getting new business. Just what you tried to summarize there, I think is like, it's a great thing, which is a lot of people from my experiences seem to think like they'll get out of school or they'll get some training. They'll do a couple professional shoes and they're like, oh, I need an agent. And what you're saying, which is sort of like, you know, is changing my perspective on this is basically those photographers should already be in the industry. They should already have their clients. They should already be doing their job. And basically their career has gotten to a point that it's basically gotten too much for them and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so then they need somebody else to come in and help them. And that's something I think a lot of photographers don't think an agent, they think an agent is the one that's going to help them make their, their career. Whereas what you're saying is an agent is a supplementary thing. Once your career is already at a certain level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think that anyone should be entering into like a long term relationship until they fully understand what it is like to negotiate projects on their own, to do all of the business stuff on their own. And then they get to a point where they can't really handle that, you know, at the highest level. And they need to bring someone in to do that, but also to then kind of take it to the next level. If you are able to do all of those things on your own, then you have perspective. So then when you find the right fit with an agent, you understand that it's the right fit because you understand exactly what you need in that moment like how to negotiate things and how you get a sense from that agent that they're going to negotiate things the way that you would like them to. And you have an understanding of what you're paying that agent to take off of your plate. Yeah. And you're appreciative of it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get, yeah. Because like I come from the fine arts background. So I always had this like, oh, I want an art gallery to represent me so they can do all this stuff that you're talking about and i'm like i don't do that stuff now like so like I don't know. it's an interesting balance that like basically you're saying that people the photographer should already be sort of i'll call it like mid-career like they should mm-hmm. already be in a have a decent job basically going what an agent adds to them is the ability to elevate beyond anything that yeah. they could sort of do on their own yeah yeah definitely well, and in, and in- an agent can come in and say, oh, like, you know, here are your strengths. Here's what we see as your style. And then let's build on where we think we can take that with you. And where are you going to be a good fit? What kind of clients have you not tried to go after yet that we think you would really do well with? Like Cecily has said, just expanding on this little thing that this person has already started building. I also think it helps because the relationship with an agent is so important. It's I've heard Cecily say it, it's like marriage. And <laughs> so, you know, you need to be able to trust that person and you need to respect what they're doing. And I think the only way to be able to do that is if you've had to do that role for yourself, mm-hmm, because exactly. that helps you decide, you know, and I think it's important to meet with a lot of different agents before you go with someone because it's about vibing with their personality. It's about trusting them. There's so many different elements that go into the relationship and having this background experience will definitely help you discern like who seems like the right person to drive your career for you when you're off shooting all around the world. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, I love that you brought up the word style because that's a, like a pet peeve of mine because a lot of people think a style is a technique and, I, and that sort of drives mm -hmm. me nuts. Like, because a style is not a photographic process, but it's sort of a way of approaching things kind of thing. And a lot of photographers don't understand the, the subtle nuanced differences between those things. And they rely too heavily on technical things when my position on that is, is basically techniques can be copied, but a style yes. can't really easily be copied. So that's my, th my two cents on that. But within the style thing, and the marriage thing, you have what I call sort of like a, and please don't take offense to this, but like a boutique size of a roster. You seem to have mm -hmm. seven uh, artists that you represent. Is that like your optimum number? Like, and like, how do you choose which ones to have, which ones not to have? Because like, do you try and do different styles, complementary styles? Like, is there a, an actual sort of thought pattern between we need to have somebody who's a bit sort of more rough here, somebody more polished there and like trying to have a nice well-rounded thing? Or are you trying to have like one distinct style that basically if somebody's looking for that style, they know your agency is the place to go to? Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of the size thing, I think being a boutique agency is important for us. And we're very much about like organic growth. We're not like trying to massively grow into a huge agency. I think we could grow a little bit, but it also has to be with the right people. And that is like our number one priority is making sure that the people that we're bringing on, it really feels like the right fit. And, you know, we've vetted that and we feel really good about it. Um, in terms of, you know, the different uh, styles, I guess you would say, of the artists on our roster. Um, it's I such think, a subjective word, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing about it is that we have always been credited and we're prideful in the fact that everyone on our roster has a little bit of a different vibe to their work. You don't look at it and say, oh, okay, I could choose this person or this person or that person for this particular job. It's kind of like you come to us and you have one person in mind or potentially two. I think everyone kind of has their own thing. And that equals a more sort of family vibe to the roster as well, because people don't feel as competitive with each other. Which photographers are some of the most competitive of all the creative people I know. Yeah. And I think also something that we've heard a lot, which we aim for, is that even though everyone has their own vibe or style to their work, when you look at it collectively on the roster, on the website or the Instagram, it meshes well together. It just works together. And that's something that I don't even think that we could fully put into words why that is, but it's just a feeling that Collier and I get when looking at people's work and if we could see it working well on the roster with everyone else. Well, I've seen a number of other agencies where they will do photographers and then sometimes they do directors, which to me is sort of the same kind of a pitch. But then they also do like stylists and editors and hair and makeup people, you know, so they like basically instead of just being the one creative person that they quote unquote sort of represent, that they could sort of basically pitch a whole team. They could say, OK, we will give you a creative director, a stylist, a hair and makeup artist, even like a location scout and and a photographer, mm -hmm. and it's all in one big package. Like, that kind of seems like a very attractive idea. 
Yeah. I mean, as long as you have enough bandwidth for it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I think with us, we've been doing glam hair, makeup and wardrobe. That wasn't something that we felt super called for. And we have other great agencies that do that already that we partner with on projects and stuff. So we've kind of focused our attention in growing, doing something a bit different than maybe the traditional model. Oh, no, that model I gave you was not traditional. It was just something I have seen. But it makes sense to also just like say like, hey, you know what? That's not our specialization. And we'll just partner Mm -hmm. with other people who specialize in that stuff. Totally legitimate. I understand it. Because one of the things that like I keep running into in the creative industries is people take on too much. They're like, oh, if I can do that, I can do that. I can also do this. And then I can be like a jack of all trades for all of this. And then they end up being Mm -hmm. mediocre at all of it. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talk about like family and sort of vetting people and getting to know them and vibing with them and all this. So like if I'm a young, okay, no, no, because young's bad. We already sort of said that you don't want young artists. If I'm a mid-career artist looking for for an agency, what is it that constitutes sort of a photographer is sort of ready for an agency? Like, do you look at their portfolios? Do you ask their reputation around town? Like, or is it more about their personality and then the enjoying working with them? Like what, I guess sort of like, what's the hierarchy of what's the most important is like amazing photographs first working together well second, or is working together well, the first most important, like what's the criteria that you choose your artists by? Yeah, I mean, I think the amazing photography is number one, but I think working well with us and just being sort of a nice person and an agreeable personality is, you know, a close second. And we have to know that they know how to run a set and that they understand lighting and they understand personalities and how to make sure that things are going to be running smoothly. How do you find these people though? Like, so, I mean, you know, it's one of those things because we know we, everybody does portfolio reviews, almost never does like approaching, you know, literally sending a cold email to, to an agency that almost never works. We all know that it seems like it's about building relationships. It's about meeting somebody somewhere, or oftentimes I've heard stories of like basically people who are already represented by an agency recommending of a peer of theirs kind of thing. Like, so what are some of the processes? Because, you know, everybody's sitting there going like, oh my God, I want somebody to take on some of this responsibility for me. But like, what are some of the ways that you have found your new artists? I'm sure a lot of people talk about like, oh, it's using Instagram and stuff. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Nobody finds artists on Instagram. Do they? I mean, you might initially see an artist on Instagram, but so much of it is kind of about synchronicity too. So if maybe you see someone on Instagram, but then a client then recommends that person to you the next day, or, you know, you're at a party and you meet someone and then three other people then mention to you that you should take a meeting with that person. And that's the same thing with getting work too. Like so much of it is right place, right time. And you have to just kind of open yourself up to the universe and to the opportunities that might be, you know, just around the corner. 
so much of it is relationship based. Like we really don't take someone on unless we know people that they've worked with and those people recommend them or, you know, as you were saying, maybe a photographer on the roster would say, oh, this is my friend. You should really meet with them. They're amazing. It has to be vetted. The industry is small enough that we can easily you know, look for recommendations from people if there's someone that we're interested in and understand a little bit more how they work via someone else that we know. Maybe it isn't quite the right time for us to bring them on board, but we'll do a meeting with them and talk to them about what their goals are and give them advice. And, you know, that's important to us to pay Mm -hmm. it forward, even if we're not necessarily signing them to our roster. Uh, so, you know, we're very mm-hmm. open to talking to people and sometimes they're just not the right fit for us. We maybe we don't have the right clients for them if they, are, you know, lean more into a certain world that we're not as specialized in. So then we can give them suggestions about where else to go and what direction, you know, to point them in, in terms of who to talk to and other agencies. Which actually just reminded me of a question that I have about it. Like these days with the interconnectedness of everything and the, the, you know, social media and all this kind of stuff, a lot of people talk about how like you can be anywhere in the world and be a whatever, a creative person kind of thing. I get the sense that's probably not true when we're talking about the level of work you all are dealing with, because the photographer needs to be in New York or Los Angeles or Paris or someplace where these high fashion models or these magazines or these uh these these agency the well the advertising agencies or the clients actually are kind of thing so like is it important where these people are as far as being artists i think it depends on where you're at in your career if you're a very established artist and you have a lot of relationships existing relationships if you live outside of one of these cities but you're willing to fly at the drop of a hat, then you're cool. <laughs> you're fine. If you're someone that's like really aiming to build your career, then I think being in the action and going to the seed quarterly party or whatever sort of event it is at that moment is important for you because that's where you're going to start to build your community and build your network. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, it's important to live in one of those yeah. cities. And then, you know, the more established you become, especially in entertainment, not a a lot of things film in LA, but a lot of things also film all over the place in Canada, in Atlanta. And so a lot of the time the photographer has traveled for the job anyway. So they don't necessarily need to live in LA to get sent to Vancouver for a shoot. Yeah. I think definitely at first being in a big city around, like Cecily said, a community of people is very important. And then you can take meetings and take people out for a coffee. And the more, mm-hmm. so you know, socializing and building relationships is a huge part of this. You know, the more relationships you're able to establish as a photographer, people will remember you when they have an, a new project coming up. Um, and people want to work with people they like. So it's important. I swear somebody should have tattooed that on me when I was very young because like I did not listen to that in my youth. 
I was an arrogant little shit in my youth. I, I believe I've mellowed out in my older age, but like, it's one of those things that like a lot of young people in my era didn't think of like that. Like there was that romantic idea of like the photographer off in their studio, smoking cigarettes and doing all this kind of stuff, you know, throwing tantrums and being all this kind of stuff. And, and that's just not acceptable these days. Like that's just, no. I mean, and maybe at one point it was, and maybe it ne- maybe it yeah, never was. I think was. that was glorified. I was gonna say maybe it was never acceptable. No, I think it was it was glorified for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I think that things, especially post pandemic, have become way more about being a good person, being friendly, being easy to work with. I think it was before the pandemic. I think I think social media so, sort of started that. So I mean, you're talking I think ten to fifteen years. It's been going on. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. So like my, you know, I'm showing my age, but yeah. But the point is, is that it's very important to be a good person. It's not something we teach in school. You know, it's one of those hard things. Like, so these, these young artists, they go to school to learn how they're to do their craft and do all their, their techniques and, and even learn their concepts, but they, but we're never telling them but also be a nice person, be fun to work with. Like, because people want to, if people don't enjoy working with you, they're not going to hire you. Yeah. Also, I think like those beats of being enjoyable to work with, but also knowing how to kind of put on a show are important. Like taking a client to a nice dinner or buying them a gift at Christmas time if you had a lot of repeat business with them. Like all of those little details, even just sending people a card or picking up the phone and calling them and asking them how their kids are doing, you know, like the personal touches in this business go far in life in general. But, you know, this business is included in that. Oh, yeah. My mom still to this day always says, be sure to send a thank you note for every gift. Like, it's yeah. important. Collier's really mm-hmm. good at that. And it it means a lot when you get a thank you note from her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. My parents trained that into me. <laughs> I would be like sitting at the kitchen table like, oh. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Now, speaking of mothers, though, so like one thing I noticed, uh, Cecily, in your emails, you also mentioned the term woman owned and operated. And I'm interested in like, how important is that to you? It's important to me. I think being a women owned and operated company is a very cool thing. (laughs) And to me, what that means is like elevating other women as well. Collier and I were friends for a long time. I always thought she was super rad. And then I was like, let's do this thing. Like, let's combine forces. Let's be, you know, stronger together than we are individually. And let's promote each other and have each other's back. That means a lot to me. And I think that that sort of feeling state that we have in the company provides like a nice home for the artist's that are on the roster as well, because there's like a solid foundation there. But just to be clear, my favorite best bosses I've ever had in my life have always been women. So like, I much prefer to work for a woman than for a man. Men are far too egotistical and too competitive and all this kind of stuff. Like, I hate having them as bosses. As I say this, I probably my next boss is going to be a man, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But yeah, there's just not as much fun to work for as far as I'm concerned. So yes, I'm all for it. But 
But it, 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 is there something about that though? Like, does that extend beyond the, your like personal pride or is this something that people can sort of be proud of then hiring you because you're woman owned and woman operate? Is that, is that women owned or woman owned? I'm really bad with like my pluralizations. It's women. Yeah. Women okay, owned. Yeah. Wim, okay. Women owned. Women. Is it- <laughs> woman. I think women actually can work I think it works either way. I remember I asked my mom this. She's good at grammar. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's late for me. All right. So. The, but the, the, is, but as I say, is this something like, cause like I'm in Europe. So in Europe, things like this are very important, you know, so like certain grants and certain funding opportunities and certain projects say that they want to be inclusive mm-hmm. of X, Y, Z kinds of things, you know, whether it's like LGBTQ minorities, you know, female owned businesses, these kinds of things. Like, so is this a, like an actual thing that you say, like, this is something that people do actually work with you because you're a female run business? Uh, To some extent, yeah, I think that that's a thing. You know, sometimes when we're filling out vendor paperwork for a company, like we put that we're women owned and they might have a certain amount of projects that they have to give to minority or women owned businesses. So I don't know, it could be working in our favor. It's hard to know like exactly where that line is and how many jobs we get because of it. But I know like during the pandemic, I got a grant and it was based on the fact that I was a women, women owned, small, woman owned, (laughs) small business. So, um, I think in these times, I think it is important and I think people value it. I would add also that the entertainment industry has traditionally been very male dominated and it still is. Women have made a lot of strides. More of us are becoming bosses of different companies and executives at studios, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah, when we announced that Collier was joining, we got, um, granted, we did like an amazing photo shoot with Kurt Isweryanko, one of our artists, but we got such positive response from people from the photo shoot and from us joining together. And it was kind of overwhelming. Like we were getting calls and texts and emails and, um, so, yeah, it felt really good to to see that response in the industry and feel like people, you know, are rooting for us. One thing that often, like, I notice when I talk to photographers about like doing work in the industry is sort of the difference of being themselves and having their own sort of personality and style and stuff like this versus having to answer to a client and like being sort of pushed into doing something they maybe didn't want to do. So like how important is that strength of knowing yourself and that strength of that ability to sort of stand up and say like, look, that that job's not right for me because it doesn't sort of fit for me. Uh, for How important is that to you? Well, to us, or are you just asking in general, like for some advice? It could be both. Yeah. Because I mean, I mean, it's hard because like I, in my career, like I've had times where like I had people come to me and say like, oh, you, uh, like I hate commissioned work, like with a passion. I've talked about this in the past because most times when people come to me with commissions, basically they have a vision and I'm just a tool for whatever the fuck they want, but they don't actually want what I do. And so it's that very difficult balance. Just to be clear, I have not done a huge amount of commercial work in my career because I'm horrible at it. 
uh, so like, you know, some people are magnificent at it. It takes a certain personality of a creative person to be able to work with clients well. And, the, and it's really hard to be able to stand up and say, I'm happy to work for this client, but I'm not going to let them make me do something that I, is sort of not of my my voice, my style, my whatever you want to put to it. And so it, that sort of struggle of like being able to do something true to yourself, but also make a living, mm -hmm. I find to be one of those very difficult balances that happens in this industry. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of difficult to say because it really depends on where the person is at and what their sort of need is at that moment. So if they need to be making money, um, if they're broke, yeah, they'll take if any you're job. broke, it's important to take jobs so you can make an income so that then you feel like you have a little bit of flexibility to be able to put resources towards doing personal work or, you know, take on an editorial where you're not getting paid for the editorial and you might go out of pocket to bring in some amazing props for the job and, you know, enhance that project. So then that's exactly in line with, you know, what you want to be doing in the future and getting paid to do that kind of work in the future. So I think you really have to take into consideration where you are at that moment is it necessary to take the job to make some money so that you can pay your rent? Then <laughs> yeah, take it. <laughs> if you've gotten to a place in your career where you're able to turn down projects because they don't feel aligned with your vision, then that's an amazing luxury to have. And you know, you should run with that depending on the project that's brought to you and what kind of feels right in your gut. Well, and that's sort of the point, which is like in a certain time. And I remember like there were a number of photographers that I admired that I'm like, oh, my God, this person's so great. And then like 20 years later, I found out that they did these other really bad assignments for money. Like, had I known that at the time, I would have been like, oh, like I would have mm -hmm. almost been ashamed for them in some ways. But like but now having you know, a few decades of like hindsight on it, I'm like, oh no, they just needed to do that to make a mm -hmm. living. Like that's totally normal that a lot of amazing artists who do incredible stuff that we all know and love and that have become iconic in the, in, in society. They also did like advertisements for the yeah. local mom and pop yeah. shop to make a living kind of thing. And that's something that not every project is going to be yeah, the big rock star project. Somewhere, right. So I don't think that you can expect that you can come into the industry and right away be sh be getting commissioned for big money projects that are exactly in the in the way that you would have shot them if you were shooting them alone, you know, without a client in the room. But I do think the goal is ultimately to be able to have projects, you know, be brought to you that are within your style or taking something and saying being able to have the confidence to say okay, I totally understand where you're going with this, but then enrolling them in your vision for how it could be executed and how you could add your special like tweak to it to make it you know, more in line with the work that they were responding to in your portfolio. You know, So much of it is just kind of about making people feel seen and heard and then being able to kind of coax them in the direction that you feel like would really add something special. I would also say the 
you know, very often the bigger the project, the more cooks are going to be in the kitchen and the more layers of approvals something is going to have to go through, the more people are going to want to put their hands on it and, you know, put a piece of themselves onto it. And so maybe you do the big paycheck job that hopefully you do get to have some creative input on, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have a whole lot of say on what the final product is. So we always encourage artists to also be doing some of the projects that maybe are not making as much money for them, but allow them to exercise a lot of more creative freedom and put their own personal voice into the project. You know, sometimes you get to make a lot of money and do that. Sometimes you kind of have to let those big jobs go out and release that into the world without having too much attachment about how that billboard ends up looking because it can become a hot mess even if you did the most beautiful photo shoot. Especially in entertainment, the photography can end up looking quite different when it goes up on the billboard from what was shot in camera. It'll just be a big cutout head on a white background (laughs) (laughs) with a title slapped on. Yeah. And you know, we have very established artists that get to do kind of the full gamut. You know, they get to do the projects that are really more creative, where they're getting paid for it. And it's amazing. But then they also do the projects that are not as creative, but it's for the paycheck. And I think to be able to be humble about that, too, as Collier was saying, attached to the outcome or feeling like it's on you if it doesn't look the best when it's out there in the world. Like not taking it personally is an important thing to keep in mind. Well, I mean, years ago, to a certain extent, and I apologize to anybody who did this and is offended by what I'm about to say, but like years ago, it, it was almost like a lot of photographers were like ashamed that they had to do this commercial work in order to make a living, to be able to do things they want to do. But these days, it feels like it's almost like a good thing. Like, it's like, yes, I did this really big, great thing, but it gave me, but you know, and it's like they can explain themselves. They can say, yes, I did this thing that's complete crap, but it gave me the money to then be able to go to do this even more Mm -hmm. amazing Mm -hmm. other project. It's almost a badge of honor these days, more so than it is in the past. And it's an interesting transition that's happened in the industry. Mm-hmm. And you get to be in charge of what you're showing to people, you know? So if you don't love the way that billboard came out, maybe you're not showing that billboard, but you're, you know, showing something else that's more interesting to you. So yeah, it's not on your Instagram page. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's also like, you know, all the, all the actors that go to Japan and do commercials for like cereal that we never see here. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing. I remember that. Do they still do that? Because I mean, with YouTube, they can't oh, yeah. still do that. They still do it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's easier for us to find it now. So it's not a complete secret anymore. But oh, yeah, definitely. Fascinating. I think, you know, Brad Pitt's slanging all kinds of stuff over there <laughs> that we don't see. But yeah, even if you found a random video of him talking about cereal on YouTube, I still love Brad Pitt. Like, I still think he's amazingly hot and talented. And so that's not going to take him down in my mind, you know? 
Well, and that's the change I'm talking about is like in the old days, it used to be a bit of an embarrassment to basically, quote unquote, sort of like do things for money. But these days it's not like it's just like the stuff in the movies in the industry where they say like two for them, one for me kind of thing, where like you do Mm -hmm. a couple of stupid movies for the movie companies and then they allow you to do your own personal project kind of stuff. Like, I think it's. I, I, I kind of wish it was talked about more and had been more prevalent. And it's sort of sad that it took, you know, decades to get to this point that we're sort of accepting of this for photographers. Yeah. And it still has a ways to go in fine art, too, I think, because I was on a panel for a grant for fine artists and, you know, even talking with some of the artists after the fact and whatnot, like you realize that there is a romanticism around the struggling artist. (laughs) And if they're, especially in fine art, if they're doing something that's commercial, they feel like Mm -hmm. they're going to lose street cred. And sure, that might be a thing to some extent, but you got to pay the bills, right? And also sometimes doing something commercial in the commercial world, it goes out there into the world. There's a larger platform for it. So if it's something with, you know, even if it's a commercial thing, but it's with Pharrell, for instance, you know, some sort of collaboration with Pharrell, a lot more people are going to see that a lot more people are going to be affected by that. There's a platform there that I think could be utilized even further. Yeah, there was a photographer in his early in his career, he said, I could be a fine artist if I wanted to, or I could be a magazine and advertising photographer. And he he thought about it and he's like, if I go down the fine art path, maybe a hundred, maybe even a thousand, if I'm lucky, people will come to that gallery and see my work. Whereas if I work in editorial or commercial work, millions of people will see my work and I will influence Mm -hmm. and, and more people will see and experience my work. And he chose to go down the magazine and advertising path. And I'm always been like, yeah, that's kind of right. Yeah. And I mean, the worlds are blending mm-hmm. now too more so than they were before. So I think over the last few years, it seems like there's a push for some more interesting work in the commercial world. I'm happy to see that because I feel like it means we're moving in the right well, direction. Well, I think even for a long time, people who were from LA were not taken as seriously as people from like New York or Paris, you know, and, and that's changing quite a bit too. Yeah, definitely. In the arts world or the advertising world or editorial world? Editorial and art, probably. And fashion. Yeah, fashion for sure. But now there's like such an influx of people into LA. Like it truly is a super international city. Even with like Freeze Art Festival coming to LA. Maybe that was in 2019 for the first time. I feel like that has had a big impact in the global sort of stage taking Los Angeles seriously. All right. I've got one more question that's sort of specific. So hopefully you can answer this. I don't know. My experience is basically is that editorial work is incredibly creative and generally very fulfilling as as an artist. And then commercial work is generally very financially helpful and supportive, but not usually very creatively and artistically supportive. Is that still true? Not necessarily. I mean, like, as we just said, things are kind of meshing, the worlds are meshing. So I do think that there is more of a need for more interesting, artistic work in the commercial world. 
Um, as Collier was saying, you might have more cooks in the kitchen around it. So it might not come out exactly how you were, you know, planning it. <laughs> it seems very promising to us because we have photographers where the client will come and say, we want, we, you know, we want this from sort of their vision. And so even if they're coming up with the concepts themselves or using an agency, they've informed those concepts based on the artist's work. Yeah, it, it is getting more and more collaborative for sure, I would say. You know, there are still the jobs where you are a bit disposable still on the big commercial jobs. You know, you're just supposed to come in and point the camera and take the picture. Yeah. All right, last little bit. The, my general like, thing, so again, like I'm probably old on this, so like please help me from a younger perspective. But... I see the entire industry, the photography industry and all of it as a, like, I phrase it as like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, like a lot of people come into the industry thinking like, oh, I want to be famous and do these great things and all this. And, and they don't sort of like take the time to like learn the system and the, and the way it all works. They think it's an immediate thing, but I personally am more of the build your career slowly, step by step, instead of trying to like shoot for the stars immediately kind of thing. So like that's my philosophy, but that might just be my age showing. <laughs> so like I'm just wondering if that's still sort of a good um, advice to give. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a marathon. It's not a sprint, as you were saying. There should be a certain amount, you know, when you're starting out, you don't know what's up from down, right? So <laughs> you just kind of have to start. When I started Form, I, of course, was nervous and had moments of self-doubt and whatnot, but I just started. I just put one foot in front of the other and I said, okay, what's the first thing I need to do? Email people from my personal email, tell them I'm starting an agency and then follow up once I have my email. Just like you just take it kind of step by step. And so I think to some extent, it's just starting. It's not getting so in your head about every possible worst outcome that could happen and living in a state of fear. It's saying, okay, I know I can rely on myself and I'm going to make this shit work, you know? <laughs> but then I think also, like, as you were saying, it is a marathon. So you have to keep steady and you can't kind of burn yourself out. And I think seeking mentors and people that have been there before you is a great way to get some of the industry knowledge on, you know, how you can move forward and, you know, where to step next and whatnot. So yeah, I think it's like, it's a combo. Like if something hasn't worked out exactly the way that you've wanted, at least you, you tried, you were present, you put it out, you did your best at that moment and not being such a harsh critic. You know, I say that, but then I'm a harsh critic on myself, but it's something that I really try to work on is like, accepting <laughs> that you might not have all of the answers, but you're still getting up every day and you're showing up and you're, you know, trying to make it work, kind of surrendering to the fact that maybe there's a plan to all of this <laughs> and that that particular thing went the way that it went because it was supposed to go that way. And now, you know, better for next time. Any last little bits of advice, some things that a lot of, that you run into that a lot of people don't understand or know or whatever kind of thing? Because 
I don't want, I don't necessarily like to hear like, oh yeah, you know, keep to it, be tenacious, not necessarily the positive advice, but like advice of like things that you run into that people make mistakes commonly. I mean, just kind of like on the same point of what we were talking about, like something that I have been vocal about, which I think is an important thing to put out there is that everyone has imposter syndrome to some extent. So you might not feel 100% confident in a specific room talking about a particular topic, or you might feel like, oh, I don't know exactly what I'm doing with the lighting on this job or whatever it is. Like people, as I was saying, they are their own worst critic. And so to understand that people at all levels, like even big time photographers, you know, big time executives, like everyone has it to some degree because it's really just insecure thinking. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's valid and true and that you don't know what you're doing. It just means that at that particular moment, you're having a low mood and a down point and, you know, that it will very easily turn around <laughs> as soon as, you know, you step onto the set and you kind of face your fear or you step into the room and you say what you have had on your mind or whatever it is. It's kind of like just facing it and knowing that it's very common. Marvelous. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was fun. Before you go, we would like to thank you for listening all the way to the end of the conversation. We also would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, families, co-workers, and even studio mates. Anyone with an interest in the arts and creative industries. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community both today and in the future is at the core mission of this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, the audio was edited by Kush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.